Hi, this is Nicole Cannon, sleep expert with Mommy's Bliss, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. When I start working with families, their children are having a lot of trouble falling asleep on their own, whether it's a parent that needs to stay in their three-year-old's room for an hour until they fall asleep, or it's a slightly older child that's running around, can't settle. The biggest issue is that they are having trouble falling asleep. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full, On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. Today's episode is brought to you by Mommy's Bliss, a trusted mom-created brand that for the last 20 years has developed a variety of safe and gentle baby and children's supplements and products for pre- and postnatal moms. Mommy's Bliss products include a cough relief line, digestive support such as gripe water and gas drops, probiotics, immunity support, vitamins, and now kids' sleep products. My family has believed in the benefits of gripe water for generations, since key ingredients include organic ginger extract and organic fennel extract, which is a staple in Indian home remedies. Ever since my twins were infants, I've been using Mommy's Bliss gripe water to settle their tummies so they could have a restful night, and I could get some sleep too. Save $3 on any Mommy's Bliss sleep product when you log on to Mommy's Bliss spelled M-O-M-M-Y-S-B-L-I-S-S dot com backslash sleep. An age-old problem we face as parents is getting our kids to sleep. We have to deal with regressions, uh, getting our kids on a schedule, so their routines, daylight savings, traveling, And today we're going to learn the tools that we can implement to help our toddlers fall asleep and stay asleep. I am joined by Nicole Cannon, who is a certified sleep consultant, founder of Sleepy Mama, wife and mom of three kids, ages seven, five, and three, get this, with her fourth child on the way. She has worked as a nanny, babysitter, and baby planner, and in 2012, she completed the Maternity and Child Sleep Consultant course through the International Maternity Institute to become a member of the Association of Professional Sleep Consultants. Through this certification, she has been educated on numerous methods that help families get more sleep. She looks at sleep holistically and addresses all elements in a child's day-to-day life that may be preventing him or her from sleeping well. She recently completed a certification in infant mental health and a course in maternal mental health. Her goal is to be sensitive to both the mother and the baby during the sleep work process. However, the biggest change came when she welcomed her son in February 2013. From the start, her son was a terrible sleeper. 
So suddenly, Nicole was one of those sleep-deprived parents, and she never imagined how hard it would be going through sleep issues firsthand. Thus, during one morning of sleep-deprived delirium, Sleepy Mama was born. Nicole is here to not only help you and your loved ones get better sleep, but also to let you know that you're not alone. Part therapist, part sleep consultant, this Sleepy Mama will work with you for a healthier, happier, well-rested family. Nicole, it is a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's start with the science of sleep. Can you tell us about circadian rhythms and REM and you know what it all means? Sure. So a big misnomer surrounding children and sleep is that it's a one-size-fits-all thing. You sleep train your child when they're a baby, and suddenly they're going to sleep through the night for the rest of their lives. And that's just not the case because there's actual science backing our sleep cycles, our rhythms. So the biggest one we look at in terms of sleep is circadian rhythm. That is the rising and the setting of the sun. It is why most children and infants even fall into a pattern of waking up around 7 every day and going to bed around 7 p.m. every night. And That is because it is all governed by our Earth's rotation and nature, to be honest with you. So circadian rhythm is a huge factor in sleep of all ages, even adults, um, although we often ignore it for ourselves. In addition, when we're talking about older children, in this case, meaning toddlers, have predictable sleep cycles, much like adults. They're just shorter. So in those sleep cycles, we go from light sleep. Well, part of that light sleep is rapid eye movement. This is where our dreams occur. It is where, you know, children can still easily be disturbed, followed by deep sleep. And once we are in deep sleep, we then come back out and eventually get into light sleep again. And that is a complete sleep cycle. So the sleep cycles vary in terms of length. An adult sleep cycle is about 90 minutes. And an infant sleep cycle is about 45. The toddlers are somewhere in the middle. Every child is very different, but a sleep cycle is really how a child is sleeping throughout the night. So there will be stages of wakefulness and being awake because they're coming out of their sleep cycle and transitioning into the next one. That's the two real scientific basis behind sleep. That makes a lot of sense. What are some of the sleep issues that you've encountered through your work? When I start working with families, their children are having a lot of trouble falling asleep on their own, whether it's a parent that needs to stay in their three-year-old's room for an hour until they fall asleep, or it's a slightly older child that's running around, can't settle. These children, the biggest issue is that they are having trouble falling asleep. That is closely followed by night wakings. So night wakings can sometimes go hand in hand with falling asleep. If a child has never learned how to fall asleep to start the night, they might struggle as they're transitioning sleep cycles, which is kind of going back to the science behind it. So I will often see families whose children can't put themselves to sleep for whatever reasons, but then they cannot sleep through the night either because they've just never learned how to transition cycles on their own. And then I'd say the other issue that often comes regarding sleep is incorrect timing, where A child that is three years old is taking a two-hour nap, but taking two hours to fall asleep at night. Or they're not sleeping at all during the day, and then they struggle 
because their bedtime is too late. So that goes more closely linked to the, the science of sleep again, where there is a biological rhythm, a biological time that's appropriate for certain ages. And if we miss that, whether it be sleeping too much during the day or not enough during the day, it can really impact their nights and cause issues with not only bedtime, but also with the middle of the night. Right. Makes sense. Could you tell us you know, when are appropriate times for a nap and then to actually put your kids down for bed? Sure. So there is some variation around the times. Um, For example, in other countries, other parts of the world, they don't follow any of this. You'll see children who go to bed at 10 p.m. and wake up at 10 a.m. And that's fantastic. Again, it goes a little bit against sleep science because of the circadian rhythms, but it works. So all that is to say, timing can be very family dependent. However, if someone comes to me and they're struggling, generally, we base it off of, again, this kind of seven to seven schedule. That does not mean every child at every age is going to wake up at seven and go to bed at 7 p.m. So I often take the age into account first. A three-year-old who is napping might wake up in the six o'clock hour, need a nap from one to two, and then go to bed somewhere around seven with the goal being 11 hours at night. If they nap a little longer than that because they're in daycare and the daycare enforces a two-hour nap, their bedtime might push later than that. So for me, I base a schedule off of wake windows, biologically appropriate wake windows. For a three-year-old who is still napping, my wake window is about six to seven hours, meaning they wake up in the morning, their nap is about six hours later. That nap can be shorter or longer depending on their lifestyle, but then bedtime is going to be about six hours after that. A three-year-old who's not napping might need to have a 12-hour wake window because they have no time for the nap during the day. So that translates into a much earlier bedtime, meaning if they wake up at 7 a.m., they might not even make it to 7 p.m. because their body is adjusting to not having a nap. So jumping from six to seven-hour wake window to 12 to 13 hours can be far too drastic. You'll even see some four-year-olds and five-year-olds who have just recently dropped a nap and for them, they can't make it more than 12 hours before needing bedtime. But I try and look at wake windows as I build a schedule. And then from there, we find what the sweet spot is, whether they can tolerate six or seven hours or they can tolerate 12 to 13. It depends on the child. That makes so much sense. And I love how you broke that down. I'm trying to kind of apply that to my household, but my two-year-old still naps. He wakes up around eight-ish and that nap is at two, six hours later. Mm -hmm. And then with the three-year-olds, and this is very common. So parents out there who are wondering how come my three-year-old just doesn't nap anymore? It's kind of happens. It's a natural phenomenon where they (laughs) outgrow it, I guess, but my three-year-old twins don't nap. And so they can go the 12 hours, you know, eight to eight or so. But there were times where my son would be like lying down and playing with his car and doze off at five. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) so that's the sleep window that you're talking about. Yeah. It's a huge change. We don't take that into account when children drop a nap, but they're literally doubling their awake time. So sometimes, especially early in the transition, they might not make it the 12 hours. And have to go to bed early or some days they take a nap, some days they don't. It's just a really hard adjustment 
on both the par- the parents and the kids too, because parents are, you know, not a happy camper sometimes <laughs> when their children skip that nap. Yeah, it's true. We should just all have dedicated nap time for the family. How amazing would that be? That's nice. Just everyone goes down at one, refreshed around three. It would be great. I think uh, I definitely want to address, you know, life in a pandemic and how that has changed schedules dramatically for parents because we're homeschooling and kind of trying to juggle kids of all ages. And then that no nap, right now. So what tools do you have for them? So this has been really challenging. And actually in the spring, I had my largest influx of preschool age children that I've ever had. Just from the fact that kids went from being very physically and mentally stimulated to having that drop off completely. You know, you've got parents who are trying to work as well as watch their children at the same time. And in all honesty, you get into a trap of potentially not playing enough with them, not getting them outside enough, giving them screens more than we should. So there's had to be some maybe non-normal adjustments that you wouldn't do in a normal non-pandemic world. For example, in my household, my three-year-old, who is certainly not getting the stimulation he needs, um, is going to bed much later because he's just not tired enough. He's a three-year-old that still naps, but I've had to cut it back drastically because there's no way he's going to take a long nap and still go to bed at a reasonable time. The trade-off is that I accept that, right? I say, okay, I know bedtime is going to be later. I'm not going to have the night completely to myself, but it's temporary. On the other hand, some parents really need that nap, like a long one, because they have got to work at home or they've had to work from home and need that break for their child. So it kind of falls in the same line. You're not going to be able to get the same bedtime you previously had. And it's nothing your child has done. It's because they're just not tired enough. So what I've tried to instill in clients during this time is trying to manage our expectations as a parent, but also try and bring in a very regular calming bedtime routine to kind of refocus before we're trying to put them down for sleep. Sometimes it might entail actually getting our kids outside for a little bit, running them around in the afternoon, and then getting them in, dimming the lights. We can talk about this, but trying to create the ideal environment for sleep after we've done like a crazy afternoon, just to kind of balance getting them some stimulation and then raining a bit back in before bedtime. So how do you say we break it up? Like the, um, you know, physical exertion and that activity happens early on, then mealtime, then, you know, nap. And then again, once they awake and then the same pattern for nighttime. Yeah. If, if parents have the ability, I would suggest getting out kind of early in the morning, because again, if we're looking at circadian rhythm, it's dictated by sunlight. So we want to get them out after breakfast, get out into sunlight, use up some of your energy then, bring it back in, calm down, do a mini routine such as bringing them into their room, reading them a couple of books, perhaps turning on white noise and putting them in for rest time or nap time. If they're refusing to nap, we offer rest time, which is an hour of playing calming games or toys in their room by themselves. Then when they wake up, snack, go outside, run around again, get all of the energy out in those afternoon hours before bringing everyone back in, doing mealtime, dimming lights throughout the house because lights are really connected with that circadian rhythm, and then doing and establishing a very 
predictable daily routine in terms of bedtime. In terms of the routine I'm looking for, when I tell parents, you know, you need a bedtime routine, it's that I want the same thing every single day so that a child knows what to expect. Children thrive on routine. They don't do great if every day looks different. So my ideal routine is coming upstairs after they've had, you know, their dinner, they've played a little bit, lights are dimmed throughout the house, screens have been off for at least an hour because blue light from screens can delay our melatonin production. So we want to make sure that the screens have been turned off. And then we go up and do bath or if we're skipping bath, maybe just some lotion, get them pajamas, brush teeth, bring them into the the bedroom, read a couple of books. I usually say about three. And then we shut off the lights, maybe sing songs for a little bit before considering it bedtime. I love that. Um, Now let's talk about melatonin, as you mentioned, and cortisol and serotonin. So tell us about what's happening with those hormones and stuff of ours. Sleep is regulated by hormones. There's multiple hormones, but the ones that I like to talk about the most in terms of sleep issues, falling to sleep, are melatonin and cortisol. Melatonin is our hormone that is directly responsible for sleep. It is triggered by light and it has to rise to a certain point to make you feel tired enough to sleep. I always say dimming the lights is a great way to start. It's easier at this time of year that we're getting into because it's going to be dark earlier. But if we were in the summer, let's say, you'd want to start closing shades, turning off artificial light so that the body's natural production of melatonin could increase. And it has to reach a certain level for a child or an adult to feel tired. Melatonin then keeps us sleeping for most of the night. It is the hormone that's responsible for keeping us asleep. When we get to the early morning hours, say 4 or 5 a.m., the melatonin starts to drop off and is replaced with bits of cortisol as well as serotonin. Cortisol is actually a stress hormone. So that hormone is responsible for helping us wake up. Serotonin is as well. That's our happy, feel-good hormone. So those rise in the early morning to kind of get us out of the sleep state into wakefulness. With cortisol, however, it works opposite to melatonin in that if the cortisol is too high, specifically before bed, we have a lot of trouble regulating sleep. Cortisol will often spike if a child is overtired or an adult is overtired, if it has been a stressful day, if you've got too much going on in your central nervous system, the cortisol is high. And when cortisol is high, our body goes into that fight or flight response. It's the stress hormone. So our body thinks it's under attack and can't then settle enough to get into a deep sleep. So It's really important to know that we need melatonin to rise to sleep. And if we have too much cortisol, it's going to be very complicated for our melatonin levels to get where they need to be. That makes so much sense. Is there any remedy that we can use to help balance our kids' melatonin and cortisol levels? So as we're we're talking today a bit, there are melatonin supplements that can be used if you have a temporary issue with natural melatonin production. So Mommy's Bliss has just put out their new sleep line, which is a bunch of children's products with melatonin in them. 
And melatonin can be used in conjunction with a healthy routine temporarily to kind of relieve some of that pressure on the body and then increase the natural melatonin production of the body to help a child drift off to sleep if they're really struggling, whether that be, you know, from travel, from something that has happened in their life that is created like a a great stress response. So the melatonin is a product that you can use to increase natural melatonin production. That's wonderful. And it's given in a safe dosage for kids three and up? Yes, three and up. It is not meant to be used at all with infants or younger toddlers. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So how do we deal with a sleep regression? And actually, firstly, when do they often occur in toddlers? So a regression can truly happen at any time. Like that's the misnomer. Sleep books and sleep experts will lead you to believe that a regression is strongly linked to a certain age. But the reality is once we get to toddler age, a regression can happen for various reasons. It could happen when a child's going through something in school or daycare. It can happen when you know something has happened in your family life that triggered a response from them. It could happen when they're having night terrors or nightmares, which are completely biologically normal responses based on their age, but it can create fear around sleep that they didn't previously have. So mm-hmm. from toddler age and up, regressions are various. They are not a specific age, I would, I would say personally. But again, they can be linked to stuff developmentally. They can be linked to, you know, learning a new skill in school. They can be linked to other sort of, I'm trying to think of like something developmental that happens great in the preschool years, learning to ride a bike, for example. Okay. Mm, Crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. So much skill for a child that that could be enough to cause a sleep regression. Interesting. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. And what about night terrors? So night terrors are sleep disturbances that happen when a child is in sleep. So they are not aware. It is not a nightmare. They are not going to be cognizant of it. With night terrors, you as a parent are going to feel helpless because there's not really much you can actually do. You do not want to go in and wake a child during a night terror. It will cause them to be disoriented. They're not in the proper stage of sleep. They're unaware that it's happening. Night terrors can sometimes be linked to being overtired. So if you get a child that is really struggling to fall asleep and is super hyper at bedtime, that can go hand in hand with night terrors. Room temperature if it's too hot, can also be linked to night terrors. But in terms of what you can do for a night terror, there's not much. You should kind of take an approach of if you go in, stay a little hands off, just make sure your child's okay, and they will eventually go back to sleep. Versus a nightmare, they're going to remember it. They're going to wake up in the morning knowing something happened, and then you kind of treat it differently. You go about trying to eradicate those fears around sleep because they remember it. Night terrors, your child will not remember. Okay. Digestive issues. Mm -hmm. They might've eaten something that made them feel gassy. And this is not to be confused with colic that occurs in babies. Yeah. Are there, you know, mommy's list products out there that you recommend for that? So my kids have food issues, a lot of food intolerances, and I have always used gripe water for digestive issues. Even even now with my older children, I don't know if it's as effective as it was when they were babies, but we use gripe water religiously because like you have mentioned, it's got ginger in it, it's got the fennel, and those are all really good things to ease digestion. So 
digestion plays a huge part in sleep. And it's often overlooked by families because you assume, oh, a child's just going to eat and go to bed and they're fine. But the reality is if a child eats something off or eats too close to bedtime, their digestion is going to be taking place in the middle of the night when you want them to be sleeping soundly. And if they eat something that's jarring to their system, whether it be, I don't know, too much tomato sauce or too much Mm. cheese, it's going to really cause trouble with sleep. So I'm still a big fan of using um, gas drops and gripe water, even with my older children. Okay. What about daylight savings and just getting their schedule to stay on track because that throws everybody off. But then when you have the seven to seven schedule, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, now we are an hour back or an hour ahead. Right. So fall is the hard one. Falling back is a really tricky time for us to adjust schedules because what happens is we essentially have to get our children who are already probably pretty tired around 7, 8 p.m. to sleep in in the morning. And just telling them to sleep in doesn't work for them. Um, So we have to shift an entire schedule later by an hour, meaning bedtime has to go later. Their meals have to go later. Their wake-up time will follow, but it's going to be the last piece in the puzzle. So when we fall back on the clock, meaning instead of it saying 7 a.m. on the clock in the morning on Sunday you know, of daylight savings, it's going to say 6 a.m. We want to make sure that that day we immediately push on to our new timing. This is easier with children than it is with babies, but you don't want to then offer them breakfast an hour earlier and offer nap time an hour earlier. Because if you continue to do everything based on the ideal schedule that you would want them to, or the the schedule that you had before, Before, it won't adjust to the new timing. So you've got to really push them so that it says on the clock, 12 o'clock, it's lunchtime. Don't let them eat at their old time because they won't do it correctly. Spring is easier in that when you spring forward, you are just going to lose an hour of sleep overnight. Meaning you can, instead of letting your child sleep in in the morning, you wake them up. So if it says eight o'clock, that's really your seven o'clock. You know, you've got to wake them up. But Spring is a really good time to actually use melatonin supplements because that is a time when your child's not going to be tired. You want them going to bed at 7 p.m. and they're not going to be tired. That's the time when you want them to go to bed on the earlier side. Fall is when you want them to stay up later. So it's the catch 22. It will take about a week for their bodies to regulate. So just know that if you're trying all these things and you're pushing them to the new schedule based on the clock, it can still take a week. It's really hard to get on a new time, much like if you traveled across time zones. Right, right. That makes so much sense. Which brings me to traveling. So how do you recommend getting our kids to adjust? It's a matter of pushing them to your time zone you're in when you arrive. Meaning when you get there, immediately start feeding them at what the time of the clock says. Don't let them just say they're going to eat now because that's when their body's used to eating. Push them a little outside their comfort zone. And this is, again, a really good opportunity to use some melatonin supplementing because it's going to get them to fall asleep on the new time zone versus their bodies still thinking you're on another time zone. It's challenging. You have to give them a couple of days, a couple of weeks, 
but you can get onto a new time zone as long as you push them to what the clock says versus just letting them kind of fall asleep here or there. And, and also give yourself a break, knowing that children will potentially sometimes fall asleep outside of the schedule. You know, sometimes they are just tired. They're on their old time zone. They can't make it, but try and get them to the new time zone on the clock. Right. So tell us what made you want to work with Mommy's Bliss? Like I mentioned, I have children with food issues. And from the moment my oldest was born, we knew something was off. And I vividly remember the time that I would stumble because I lived in an apartment, stumble down the hall to my kitchen and get the mommy's bliss out of the cabinet, the gripe water, because it was the only thing that would settle his stomach. So it's truly, it started for me with gripe water. It started with that holistic product. It started with knowing that I could give it safely to my very young baby. Over the years, it's progressed into other products such as the gas drop, the cough aid. I've actually been taking the prenatals for my entire pregnancy, which I love more than any prenatal I've ever tried. And their uh, DHA gummies taste like the dots candy from back in the day. So mm. I just like, if, if there wasn't a limit on them, I would just keep eating them. Yeah. So I really stand <laughs> behind their products and they are used throughout my family. So when I was approached by Mommy's Bliss, it was so easy for me to decide to join in a partnership because I, I just love the products myself. So what is your role as a member of the expert panel at Mommy's Bliss? I'm providing some insight through blogs. I am speaking on panels ways to get out information about healthy sleep habits that work in conjunction with their products. And that's that's really what my expertise is being used for, to, to help know that there is a partnership between products and healthy sleep habits that are established altogether. That's great. And they really do go hand in hand. As a certified infinite child sleep consultant, how does your holistic view on sleep fit into Mommy's Bliss's new uh, sleep line? I'm a holistic sleep consultant, meaning I look at the whole picture. So I don't know if holistic is the right word, but I don't look at sleep as a one size fits all problem. Like I mentioned, you know, in the beginning of us discussing this, I don't think it's all about sleep training. I think there's so many other pieces that play a factor in a child sleeping well, such as nutrition, timing, environment, what else they are doing with their day, development activity levels. That is the whole picture. It's not just behavioral modification. It is much more than that. And that is going in line with Mommy's Bliss. You know, they are offering products, but those products are meant to be used in conjunction with a ton of other elements to create, in this case, healthy sleep, but maybe in other areas, healthy digestion or, you know, remedies for illness. So for me, Holistic means the whole picture, and it is a very broad overview in terms of of sleep. Yes, I love that. So tell us about uh, the campaign, hashtag Bedtime Bliss. Yes, so is the campaign that Mommy's Bliss is running in conjunction with me starting on November 1st. So the first night of our time change, of course. And it's going to be providing families with not only, you know, more information about smart sleep solutions, but a partnership with myself on Instagram, along with a week-long bedtime reading series with children's books offers, with children's book authors on IGTV. 
Um, that will be the week of November 16th. So the campaign will start running on November 1st. There will be lots of information provided. And then we will have the, the week of authors reading the books. There's also going to be a giveaway with a chance to win a one-on-one sleep consultation with myself, Sleepy Mama, and the new products and a couple of, or a selection of bedtime reading books as well. Amazing. I love it. I wanted to ask you, what was a mom sense moment that you've had with any of your three children that you're like, I decided to do this and, you know, it steered me on the right path. I'd say the biggest mom sense moment I had was with my second son. This actually goes back to digestive issues. As I've mentioned already a couple of times, he was not growing well. And there were a lot of red flags for me that kept getting pushed off by our pediatrician at the time. They kept saying I was making it up. It was all in my head. He, that the reason he wasn't growing well was because I was breastfeeding him. And I really pushed to see specialists to get in with different doctors. And it turns out my son had a rare food issue. So he, it's, it's called F-Pies or FIPPIES. And he essentially was not absorbing proteins from food and was having reactions to all his food. So if I hadn't followed my intuition and just listened to the first people, they would have written me off. And in return, I ended up finding the right doctors for him. And now I am well aware that all of my children have minor food issues. But you know, I was told that I was making it all up. So my mom sense kicked in and actually uh, enabled me to get help that we needed versus listening to outside sources. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? It's not so much a quote as I sing lyrics in my head. So I have three boys. Life is pretty insane, especially in a pandemic. So I end up singing Frozen to myself all the time. And I just sing Let It Go because you know what? I'm a type A, I'm a control freak. And it's very hard with three young boys, especially being home with them constantly to have control over everything. There's crazy stuff that happens in my house every day. So I just have to remind myself to let it go, take a deep breath, and then we move on. Because if I don't, I would be an anxious mess 24-7. So singing Adina Menzel, let it go is my, uh, (laughs) that's my quote. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. Is there a product that you are just loving, especially from Mommy's Bliss, Bliss's new line? Sure. So I think I've already mentioned, I'm a huge fan of the Mommy's Bliss gummies. Obviously, I have not tried the children's melatonin gummies, but I have been taking the gummies myself. So I really love the gummies. They are delicious. Right now, the Mommy's Bliss Kids Sleep Line is available on Amazon. So you can get the liquid, the chewables, and the gummies all available on Amazon. And where can my listeners find Mommy's Bliss? And where can they find you? Yeah, so to follow Mommy's Bliss, follow us on Instagram at Mommy's Bliss, spelled M-O-M-M-Y-S. B-L-I-S-S. And I spelled it out because sometimes mommy is spelled differently, mm-hmm. as well as visiting mommiesbliss.com. And to participate in our hashtag bedtime bliss campaign, be sure to go both ways. Go to Instagram 
and the website. And then for me, I can be found online at sleepy-mama, so sleepymama.com, or you can also find me on Instagram at sleepymamanj, all linked together on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nicole. I'm so glad we got to talk at length. I know we are probably hearing a sigh of relief on the other end of this from so many parents that are like, thank you. Thank you for helping us with all of this. You know, sleep habits are so important for adults and kids alike. And so if we can create that environment for our household, it's a huge win. So thanks for helping us with that. You are very welcome. I'm, I'm really happy that we got to chat today. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some great takeaways from my chat with sleep consultant, Nicole Cannon. Definitely join in on the campaign she talked about and enter the giveaway. You can follow Mommy's Bliss on Instagram and their handle is Mommy's Bliss, M-O-M-M-Y-S-B-L-I-S-S. And her handle is at Sleepy Mama. And search the hashtag Bedtime Bliss. I'll be promoting it on my channels as well. And my handles are at Kanika Chada Gupta and at That's Total Mom Sense. Check out all of Mommy's Bliss's products from sleep products to gripe water and pre and postnatal care at mommysbliss.com backslash sleep to redeem $3 off. Tune into other episodes and browse my YouTube videos and blog posts on my website, thatstotalmomsense.com. If you have suggestions for show topics or guests that I should invite on the show, or you're seeking advice with your personal journey through pregnancy or parenting and beyond, I would love to hear from you. Write to me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's total mom sense.